I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, Val. You're going in for a problem. You're losing some energy, but nothing for you. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Quit asking. I'm not going to take this anymore. This is the Brian Suits Show. Hey, I'm some somebody KTTH Brian Suits here. And uh, second lawsuit uh, targeting Alaska Airlines and Boeing. On that, and I mean, you know, you can anyone can sue anyone for you know whatever else. I, I get it, but I, I'm I'm just saying. First of all, you're getting on an airplane, so you believe in them, and then the door plug goes flying out, and most people don't understand how airplanes fly. So I mean, what about the person who flies for the first time and says it was barreling down the runway? I thought I was gonna die, so I'm suing. I, anyway, but you know, lawyers can law can can lawyer. Uh, they are. So anyway, and uh, we all know that Alaska Airlines is going to settle to make you go away. And then I'm going to pay next time I fly Alaska. And it's all just a grotesque harlequin circle of a, car- a carnival of ludicrousy. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, you know what? I'm, I'm a sucker for a Three Musketeers remake. It's been redone over the years. Great new one by the French, and it's called The Three Musketeers. Not a single reference to candy bars whatsoever. I could name D'Artagnan, but I don't know the other guys. Uh, uh, Athos or Porthos or, or Aramis. Wow, look at holy um, cow. <clears throat> the, the, those are the three musketeers until D'Artagnan uh, comes up. But it's, it's pretty good. It's really good. But, by the way, turn off the voiceover. Turn it on in the original and then just read subtitles. So annoying. So annoying. When they're talking like this, I shall take my sword and run you through, Miss Ewer. <laughs> terrible. Yet I refuse to watch um, It's a Wonderful Flower Moon or whatever, whatever it is. Killers uh, of the Greg, Flower Moon. End, end of the week, I'm trying to ease myself into jury duty. I'm doing it by walking around judging everybody. Uh, that sounds par for the course. That sounds uh, like a colleague that you want to work with, doesn't it? Don't mind me. I'm just warming up for jury duty. So you're telling me during jury duty I should be streaming Killers of the Flower Absolutely Road. not. I'm saying watch it on the biggest screen possible. I can't bring that into a Thurston I, County. I, you can't bring a 70-incher? <laughs> Sorry, Your Honor. I watched all three and a half hours yeah, of that masterpiece. In one go? In one go yesterday. My wife and I thought we were going to break it into parts, but we were so captivated by it. We stuck with it through the whole thing. I thought Scorsese trimmed too too much fat off that movie. It needed another hour. He's only like the next Martin Scorsese. Far so- superior to Oppenheimer. You, how many bathroom breaks did you guys take? Uh, one. Only one. I'm telling you. What would you wear at one point? Transfixed by the master filmmaking, the brilliant performances, the story, which I wasn't that privy to to begin with. Um, it, it ties in the advent of the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover. What if I already know that? Well, if you know that, I think you'll be really interested. What if I already read, uh, what if I'm one-third of the way through the book? Scorsese, what he does so brilliantly here is he doesn't tip over his hand and tell the viewer, here's what you need to think about this. He just tells the story, and you're left to make up your own mind. Well, he's only Uh, like the next Martin Scorsese. And and one of the things he's most fascinated by is culture and value clashes, and that's at the heart of this film here. And yes, Whitey does some when, bad stuff. <laughs> when is the bad? When's the pee break? The pee break? Um, I don't know. When he's giving his wife some insulin. 
so uh, and it's a true story and all that. So I I'll give it a shot. I'll give it my biggest screen. The thing is Saturday. Do it. You got a one thirty game, the uh, Texans at Baltimore, and then followed up by that five fifteen, Packers beat down to the 49ers. and so I don't know. Maybe Sunday is Sunday the day. I think uh, is that break it Killers up. of the Flower Moon Day. Saturday night, then do an intermission, then finish it up on Sunday. You need Oy. to break it up. You're you're notorious for that. Um, yeah, I do. Like 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 I say, it took me three sittings to get through Poor Things, which is great. I wish I had watched it all the way through, but I timed the start of the movie wrong too late on a weekday night. And I, I got I to gotta shape the way that people think. You watch movies like you read a book. You yeah. take it in parts, then you I, reflect I, on it, and I, then you keep going. By the way, best advice I've ever learned from anyone, read three books at once. Learn oh, three languages at once or read three books at once. I don't think I could keep it all straight at the same time. Yeah, well, that's that's the art. That's the discipline is that you, you're forced to. It probably strengthens your cognitive abilities. I, you I, I never, I rarely read fiction, but like if you can mix up, if you can read like a historic or historic biography, like Hamilton or whatever, and then uh, 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 work of fiction or something, that that's well, like go across uh, genre um, and, and everything. Because I, I had, I had a. Um, uh, just uh, I had I had a real because people always talk about well but we know if aliens are here or we, what would humans do how would humans react if aliens landed we already know because the Spaniards got to Aztec Mexico and they were alien they were so alien they were on different beasts they were on four legged beasts with and they had steel skin and they had pipes that shot fire and I mean the Aztecs could not have perceived them any more differently. And what we saw was human beings divvy up into the fighters and the sheepers. The sheepers are like, you know, not the face. Can I shine your metal for you? You know, where do I put the food and your four-legged beast and all that? Then the fighters go sharpen sticks. And it was, it was crazy. It, it's a crazy is what it is. And so I didn't know this, but up in Stonebridge County, because we're looking for stuff to do while I heal up from my um, big toe on my left foot that was injured by by a dog, which turns out pretty just walking normally you need a, a, a toe. So probably not going to be skiing and all this weekend. But man, I got to say, I don't know how bad it is up there in Snohomish County, uh, just across the line there in Monroe and Salton along Highway Two. I'm by the way, uh, White Pass is closed, Sequamee Pass is open, so Stevens. Uh, but four-wheel drive, and go slow, folks. It's not a license to go to the speed limit just because you have a Range Rover. I'm very proud of you, but it's not, it's not a you're, – you're the problem if you spin out because they have to rescue you and the whole thing. But, man, they got power outages and, and everything. Where I used to live in Monroe, we had, we had that big uh, ice storm 10 years ago, and it was a bad scene for a week, right? It was a bad scene. Well, same na- my same old neighborhood, Old Lowen Road – and uh, Witch Creek Plateau, no one has power. And it, but it, what's so funny is the Channel Four crew goes out there. Everybody has a wood stove, and they're cooking with iron skillets on top of their wood stove. And they're like, "Whoa, look, look at that!" And there's like, there's people, you know, making burritos, uh, scrambled egg burritos, and all this. And like, well, you know, that's, that's another day in Monroe. It's practically the Oregon Trail. I know. I, you know, we, we, you know, but what do we? Uh, it's a power out. We hadn't noticed, but uh, that's kind of how we were. We we had we had a big, big, big wood stove in the middle of the house, and it heat up the entire house. 
And so it was not a bad, uh, we we didn't have a bad power outage, uh, I, I got to say. So the governor of Oregon is just a week into this ice storm. She just today is declaring an emergency. And they, there's entire neighborhoods of uh, Portland that haven't had uh, power uh, in a week. Then they got a neighborhood that did have power and a car, uh, a, a tree fell on a power line. The power line fell on a car with humans in it. Of uh, three, three dead. Uh, one was holding a, a two-year-old infant, two-year-old or two-month-old. Anyway, three people electrocuted in Portland over the weekend. And and by the way, folks, just like all guns are loaded, all lines, all power lines are are live. That's just that. They're none of this, you know, kick it, see if it's live, um, or, or pull the trigger, see if the the gun's loaded. Well, Portland Fire reported that the toddler appeared uninjured at the scene. That child was still taken to the hospital. The Portland firefighters report that a neighbor rescued that infant, grabbing it from one of the unresponsive adults who was lying on the street when this all happened. Now, I mean, unresponsive because she was dead. They, they got out of the car. And I mean, I, apparently that's the, the best advice because the car is grounded unless your tires are copper uh, or something. But you stay in the car. Because the car is energized, and you get rescued, and and let the man come and take the line out the car or whatever. But if you get out on an icy road and you slip and you touch the car, you're electrocuted, like these three. And so the 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 mother of uh, assume assume uh, assuming that the mother of the child uh, was the one holding her. The the kid they were insulated. She wasn't touching her own infant and had fallen down holding the kid and was dead. And a neighbor came and, and, you know, the child was uh, making a sound. Just a horribly tragic event in, in Oregon. And, hor and what makes it really tragic is when something's avoidable. So. This call came in around noon today off of Northeast 122nd and Siskiyou Street. And Firefighters do not know why the family was in the car at this time. Portland Fire says the four people were in the car. A power line fell after a tree branch hit it, and those both landed on the car. When three of the people went to get out, the energized line electrocuted and killed them. Portland Fire. So there's uh, there's that. Um, and and then uh, so I'm trying a new thing. Before I, you know, the only thing I wanted to say about that Uvalde report yesterday, but besides the fact that I don't want to get tactical advice from Merrick Garland. Uh, is that I, I, I think it was early on in, in the aftermath <clears throat> when I heard that the school police chief, that Arredondo guy, when he announced to arriving officers, uh, uh, it's a standoff, we're going to negotiate with him, that changed everything. It it. it because cops train for an active shooter, and I would say mentally assume it's an active shooter until. Some, but but the, there was no negotiation happening. There was the the cop, uh, the police chief yelling at the guy. The guy wasn't answering, but he they were hearing firing going on inside. Yeah, the crux of the matter seems to be that the situation fundamentally changed when they interpreted the ongoing fluid event as being an active shooter, and then going to how to treat a barricaded subject. Yeah, and they were hearing, you know, random shots. And there were some officers who were showing up saying, then why is there shooting going on? Exactly. Then he's killing the hostages. And and you can see uh, there were several times in, in the video that someone's putting their hands up saying, hey, stand down. You know, I have tactical command here or whatever. But 
there were some cops who arrived and their instincts were correct. And so it, it it's what sucks is that the, that community, they were talking about the, the, the parents who lost kids were talking about how they're seeing at the grocery store some of the cops they know that were there and didn't do anything. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to tell them how to be a grieving parent, but those cops that had the means and the training and the inclination and the willingness and the inst instinct to do something were being told not to go down there. They're, they have the rest of their life to deal with that regret. You know, I mean, that's if, if I if if I transferred away from that jurisdiction to, you know, four states away, I, I, I'd still have that ghost of what you could have done. That, you, that there could be 20, you know, 13-year-olds uh, now that died when they were 11. You know, it's just uh, it, it, incredible the the uh, the guilt that they would feel uh, about that. I mean, uh, the, there were 300-something cops there. By the time the Border Patrol, the BORTAC guys showed up, and, 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 and it's the thing, it's one untrained kid with an AR-15. Kick the door, scare the crap out of him. You know, the, 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 these teenage punks that do this, you know, the, they train on a video game where there's no consequences. No one's shooting back at you and actually putting you down or taking your arm off or whatever. But uh, so anyway. That in active shooter incidents, time is not on the side of law enforcement. And the priority of law enforcement must be to immediately enter the room and stop the shooter with whatever weapons and tools officers have with them and if they go down walk over and put one in the pumpkin i i will find you uh, not guilty if uh, there, you won't be prosecuted um they they need to go down and the and the, and nowadays more and more of them are wearing like like that kid are wearing uh uh vests outer tactical vests and not bulletproof but you know, plate carriers and things like that, that, that can, they, they can, that can preserve, you know, heart and lung function and all that. So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. It, it doesn't matter that the kid's 14 and used to be your, your neighbor. They've chosen this path and you have to put them down. Um, and so that in, in, um, <clears throat> in darker Friday morning talk. Oh, by the way, I do have a end of the week, uh, morning montage. Well, let's get to it. Well, a little bit of uh, inside baseball on this one. Let me go here. Let me go to save ass. <laughs> this is really happening. What's today, the 19th? Yeah, let's call it the 19th. Did we really follow that convention with the morning watch? I, uh, by the way, I do have them all indexed, you know, by date. Yeah, I mean, if anyone ever, if, <laughs> yeah, they always leave behind. It's so weird. I'm like, well, are you interested in the montage? Just sort of a wrap up. And they're like, no, that's okay. <laughs> we got this. And, oh, son of a. Sea biscuit. I saved it in the wrong thing. So we hit the hit the hold music. Don't we have girl from Ipanema? How do we not have girl from Ipanema? She goes walking. Uh, all right, there we go. Okay, now it's uh, saved after that long buildup, ladies and gentlemen. I give to you this work of art. We have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing so we'll be okay i can't vote for joe biden he's too old i say his age is an asset <laughs> well i respect elise stefanik but i will say that you've got 70 percent of americans don't want to see a trump biden rematch you like that yeah. all right short, short but sweet 24 seconds there you go there we go 
time you play that that says go do something productive but but how fair um and so uh well well be careful what do you wish for you might get it the republicans get what they wish for border security okay but bit of a problem it's a great campaign issue and that this whole impeach mayorkas thing but what if you do it and Biden replaces him with somebody effective. Now, now there goes your campaign issue. And you gave Biden a win. This is part of the, the, the problem with chess versus checkers. The We got to have border security now. Well, if you mean you got to have border security now, then guess what? Republicans from Texas and New Mexico and all that are going to say, yeah. And so are Democrats, uh, by the way. And then when you get that, the, the best deal you're going to get increased uh, funding and, and the whole thing and you don't, and you find a way to put it off. Well, the problem is there's one candidate who's calling up who has strings uh, in, on, in the Republican uh, speaker, John Mikeson and are saying, Hey, kill that. You, you, you can't accept that deal because then I won't have anything because it, and, and this is, this is the ugly, honest truth about this. It is about the money. The border security is splitting Democrats and it's making money for the Republican National Committee. It's a great issue and it's it's a self-inflicted wound by Biden. So if you let him if you increase the funding, now now he gets to say <clears throat> I solved the border, the border problem. People will forget by November that it was a disaster in, in December of uh, 23. And the other issue is if you don't say yes now, what does he do? He gets to sign an emergency executive order. And you know how that looks? This old man is sitting in the Oval Office signing an emergency executive order to tighten up the border. And you know who's standing behind him? Kamala. Um, and then you're going to see you're going to be hitting your TV thinking it's broken because the the marching orders are out. Uh, to, for instance, Pramila Jayapal. And the marching orders are, shut your immigrant, love, your illegal alien-loving mouth. Get out there and back this up. And then even Patty Murray is going to be tough on the border. And now you've, you've effectively taken uh, what, what could be the best issue of 2024 and thrown it th with your yes vote. You know, But the thing is, people want a secure border. But if you do, you better have a Republican stamp on it. Um, and one of the guys, you know, when you're talking about the border, how about uh, the, the one-eyed Navy SEAL who's a Republican? I don't know you people that think Dan Crenshaw's a, a rhino. Okay, I don't. But when it comes to – because he, he has to get reelected too, and the people in his district are saying, hey, how about border security? And And for a lot – it sounds mundane, but a lot of it has to do with – getting these people adjudicated through the so-called asylum uh, courts as n denied asylum and deported. That takes money because they have to get in front of a judge. Uh, anyway, here's here's Crenshaw, and he's using the Kevin McCarthy school of background noise on this. I'll see if I can get it. <laughs> So he and he he's he's asking he's talking about look look you got a deal uh, I, I I want my my people want. Uh, border security. Um, some people say, oh, well, you know, Biden wants it now because it's helpful to him politically. Okay. I want border security. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I told my constituents that I would do for them. 
So here, here's here's how you work this. Because by by the way, when they did Social Security reform, Clinton vetoed it twice. He had to be overridden twice. And then after his veto was overridden, all of a sudden he was all for uh, welfare to work because it turned out to be one of the most radically effective uh, reforms of welfare ever done in the Western world. But Clinton had to be dragged kicking and screaming uh, after two overrides to sign the bill. So that's what you got to do. You got to say, look, we drug Biden to border security. Um because, because it, I mean, you know, I don't know what to say. Because then, then you get the mayor of New York thanking Republicans. You get the mayor of Chicago saying, "Oh, okay, I guess they did something." Um, and the Republicans get to portray it to minority Democrats. Look who cares about your future employment. Um, and by the way, uh, when we come back, a little bit of the new president of Argentina is the new Anne Rand. If you've ever actually read Atlas Shrugged, I mean, let's be honest, you know, um, you know that there's one central speech in there about what is money. And it's, you should memorize it. You, you should just find it, Google it, and, and read it. Well, he, he effectively gave a defense of capitalism that should be taught in high school in America. And now I know why the guy was elected. And plus his wife is hot. She's a comedian in Argentina. Not that that affects anything, but anyway... Um, the, the guy spoke uh, without notes, and Elon Musk says, you know what, this should be required reading in American high schools. So does Brian Suits, who's back in a second. AM, uh, by the way, 800-465-8770. Um, our end of the week, uh, checking the texting, and a lifestyle change when we come back. AM 770, KTTH. Some Sally KGTH burn suits here, and another problem that the White House has right now that's splitting their base is uh, well, it's not Israel, but it's it's uh, Netanyahu. It's it's uh, this. I just had to get this guy Kier Simmons name. Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, and now that politically, you know, and and keep in mind the the war in Gaza. Uh, initiated by Hamas on October October 7th, is now in its uh, 110th day or whatever, Benjamin Netanyahu has been a burr under Biden's saddle because our support of Israel uh, was so tightly, you know, tied up with the support for uh, Israel that Biden's, by the way, deep personal dislike of Netanyahu couldn't get, uh, could not get in the way. Well, now it can get in the way because... There's personal dislikes of Netanyahu in the Israeli government. And so the, the word is that the long knives are out um, because the former prime minister, the guy who, who cut the original uh, the Camp David Accords that the Palestinians uh, promptly uh, didn't accept, um, Ehud Barak, uh, is, is out loud saying Netanyahu should have resigned uh, months ago because this is not an existential threat, but the 
political division is, and all, and so that's that's all, all the White House needs um, on on that one is getting um, getting a Democrat friendly former Prime Minister who has the bona fides, by the way, um, because you, uh, Ehud Barak was also in the Israeli Special Forces, and in in fact, point in fact, was Benjamin Netanyahu. Or, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, was his commanding officer in the elite counterterrorism unit, the Sayeret Matkal, that Benjamin Netanyahu's older brother uh, was the commander when they went and rescued hostages in Entebbe, uh, Uganda. And then when, and the only casualty was uh, uh, Jonathan Netanyahu, uh, was the, the only Israeli killed was at the end of the operation, Benjamin uh, Netanyahu was not on it, but his older brother, uh, Jonathan, was killed, and they renamed the operation. Ehud Barak was then the uh, commander when Benjamin joined the unit. And so anyway, that's what it, it's funny, but that is what it takes uh, for this. But the Biden administration can't work with the guy. And part of the deal is that the White House announced before conditions on the ground are ready for it, they announced that the only way forward is a two-state solution, meaning uh, uh, independent, uh, you know, a sovereign state called Palestine. Where and who runs it? The White House didn't. They decided to leave that part out. Um, and so Benjamin Netanyahu said, "Not as long as I'm prime minister." It may. That's what he said last night. He rejected the White House deal and said, "Not as long as I'm prime minister." And <clears throat> Maybe should have thought that through because that because in a in a government like this, even though it's a wartime cabinet and supposedly it's you know all parties and all sides, it can fall overnight. Um, all it needs is for ministers to start resigning, showing that there's no no confidence, and then they taking a no confidence vote on Netanyahu, and it's gone. And then Ehud Barak, who who is the the guy that the White House prefers. Uh, because it was Ehud Barak and Yasser Arafat, Google him, who with uh, Bill Clinton did the Camp David Accords. They were worthless. They were not worth the parchment they were signed upon because Arafat had no intention of not doing terrorism. It, running around the world getting donations by anti-Semitic Belgians or French is how he made his money. And Barak knew that. But he played the game uh, with uh, with Clinton. But uh, so anyway, the 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 casualty another casualty of the October seventh attack may be Netanyahu, maybe by the end of the, uh, the weekend. We 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 don't know. But uh, so that's uh, your update there. Um, yeah. So uh, the Prime Minister, uh, pardon me, the President of Argentina, uh, Javier Milei, uh, spoke to the World Economic Forum in Davos on uh, Wednesday. And here's a little bit of uh, of that from uh, from Wednesday. I know I uh, just, uh, we didn't I didn't play it when it was uh, when you had it in there, uh, and that's that's my bad. It was from a practice Friday. Yeah, and uh, now I wish I had practiced uh, knowing where <laughs> I'm playing I put this it. clip. Here you go. I got it for you. Today I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger, and it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism. What I really dislike about playing a translator like that is 
the way that he speaks. And because, thereby to poverty. Because they don't, they don't replicate the tone of the, of the speaker, just the words. Um, just like I don't like it when native women spit in my face. <laughs> this was, by the way, roundly mocked. I, I didn't, I didn't catch the level of mocking around the world about having the random indigenous woman who, who for no one knows where she's from. She seems like a nice lady. She could have just gone backstage dressed slightly indige. She, she looks like, uh, you know, in in the movie where Natalie Portman is Queen Amidala or whatever. Remember Star she, Wars. She has, a, <laughs> but she has a body double that was Kira Knightley. Right, remember she has her face all painted up. That's who this this woman looks like. She just stole Kira Knightley's look from the the. It was the second of the bad Star Wars, the the middle three, um, and then she's running around spitting in people's faces. But but any, anyway, Javier Millet was not what would I rather sense he would have uh, stopped someone a native ended spitting in his face. Um, but what he says is a canary in the coal mine. Um, here's an excerpt. The Wall Street Journal today, there's a paywall, but not with me. They they uh, published a, a, a segment of it. Uh, quote, the Western world is in danger, and it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that in inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others and others motivated by the wish to belong to be a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. You know, the problem with me reading someone else's speech is I don't know what, where he put emphasis and stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, and this is what he's been saying. He, he's been talking about, and this is where people are saying, well, he's just a populist. Well, talking about... Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum at the World Economic Forum talking about elites like your Bill Gateses um, and and others and the CDC or the International World Health Organization being a tool of super elites, you know, and, and jerking left and right at the beck and call of Bill Gates. People don't trust that, and that's what he addresses. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. And the thing is, he was introduced. He was, hey, all right, put your hands here. Let's bring him up here, the newest elected populist, by Klaus Schwab. And Klaus Schwab dislikes Javier Malay intensely. He said, Klaus Schwab said his radical remedies or so he denounced it and look the reason the guy got elected in argentina 212 reasons by the way you know what their inflation rate last year was 212 percent seems like a lot <laughs> i know <laughs> you know i'm no paul krugman but uh 212 percent inflation rate you know i of course the guy got elected. He got elected because of that commercial where he had all the different departments and ministries on a whiteboard, and he just said, cut, 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 cut. It, w it was a powerful message. Uh, he said, he's talking about the Argentinian sort of free market revolution in 1860 when we adopted the model of freedom back in 1860. In 35 years, we became a leading world power. And when we embraced collectivism over the course of the last 100 years, we saw how our citizens started to become systematically impoverished, and we dropped to, to spot number 140 globally. 
so the first thing I was reminded of, as I say, I'm not telling you to read uh, Atlas Shrugged, and no one really has. But there's a there's a, a capitalist um, who goes on trial in, in the future, in, in America, in the future. And his name is Francis DeConia. And he gives a speech. He gives a speech uh, as he's leaving the courthouse. Someone, someone asks, someone denounces him because of money, about money being the root of all, the, all evil. Um, and he gives a speech in defense of the pursuit of success and wealth and money. Um, and it's phenomenal. I, I'm not going to be a drama queen and you know get it and read it, but you should read it. And you should you should read it out loud, by the way, to your kids. It's phenomenal. It's a defense of freedom and money. Uh, and, and the point he makes is money is the means by which free men conduct business and commerce. What do you prefer, whips and swords or money? And it's phenomenal. And he talks about money being the foundation. Uh, when when the, he, he counters the argument, when people say money's the root of all evil, and he says, no, money's the root of all good. It's an amazing speech, and, and that's the only thing I can I can think of that, that's comparison to this very actual speech given to the World Economic Forum. But anyway, there you go. Javier Malay, um, celebrating individual excellence and freedom and enterprise and denouncing collectivism. By the way, he I don't believe he's been to D.C. He hadn't been invited by Biden yet, but uh, we'll uh, be back to 2nd AM 770 KTTH. I'm 770 KTTH Francis here. Quick uh, test of Greg's musical knowledge. What's the correct title of this song? How many more times? Absolutely. Correct. Very good. Very good. I knew you'd pass. Um, you put it to me, Brian. Um, so, Brian Suits here on your Friday. And I had to, first of all, the line forms here to do your citizen's duty. Okay? Do not look around. Take a number. But it's going to be number two, because I'm number one. So anyway, so there's that. However, I, you know, I'm I'm not a defense attorney. I'm I'm not the the prosecutor. I gotta I gotta show up. I guess you're gonna put the system on trial. I'm exactly. <laughs> that's what you're gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing is, um, eh, you know, if you don't show up for jury duty, I I live in in, in God's County. They 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 make your words uh, ma your actions meet, ma match your words. They're gonna put a warrant on you. You know, they're going to shoot you on sight if you don't show up. So I got to go. And I, I don't know what the per diem is on the lunch, but um, I'm talking Oyster House on, on this one. But um, <clears throat> we'll we'll see. You know, I got I to give it the old college try and, and, and the whole thing. I look forward to forthcoming folksy anecdotes about your time on jury duty. And the thing is, it's like the, the worst kept bad habit of citizens that we share tips on how to... Uh, get out of the jury duty. And so, and what's sad is we're the ones to pay the price because we wind up being 
well, first of all, don't screw up. But we we wind up being tried by people, the people who can't get out of jury duty. You know, the haunted, the unemployed, you know, whatever. And so, um, so I, and, and it sucks because <clears throat> Greg and I were talking about this, and a friend of mine was on a federal grand jury and couldn't talk about it for a year. Except all, all, all he could say was, it's pretty cool and it's going to be a big deal when it comes out. And they only met like one day a week and all that, but it was for a year. And it turned out to be like a spy case and all this. I'm like, oh, God. But, I, you know, and in county court, I'm going to get the case of the Tumwater squirrel shooter, you know, and stuff like that. Have uh, you ever got, seen the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry tries to get out of jury duty? No. It's pretty funny. I sense I'm going to watch it on YouTube uh, later on today. What are you doing? i got to go downtown. Oh, for jury duty. It's hard to get out of these things. I, I don't know what I'm going to have to make something up. Uh, I would serve if I, they made me the foreman, but... I'm, I'm yeah. not making anything up. I'm telling the truth. I, I'm assuming we take an oath, right? What Maybe? if you were guaranteed the foreman position? A seat Tempting. of authority. Uh, is there an armband? <laughs> um, <laughs> Do I get a special badge my, or plaque? That's be my question. Is there an armband? Um, and, uh, and, and it's like, it's, it's uh, one of my... I had I had a you know a great crisis of freedom when <clears throat> uh, there was uh, some story I saw years ago about the list list of people who had been genetically cleared of the crimes they were committed of but had already been executed and can you imagine anything more Kafka esque than being on death row knowing full well that you didn't do it and getting killed anyway? That's why some people are <laughs> against the death penalty. My my dad my dad waved it off with the following answer. Well, they must have done something. America. <laughs> like, that's your answer. And he said, yeah, they must have done something. So, that, so I'm, that's going to be my answer is they must have done something or so they wouldn't, they wouldn't be here. Look at his face. <laughs> Just look at those eyes. You can't, there's no depth perception. They're too close oh, together. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway. Uh, the there, there is an ending to the Gaza conflict, and uh, it, it definitely doesn't involve uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, and this is this is what is pissing off the White House. And keep in mind, there's no daylight between the United States and Israel when it comes to Israel's existence. And uh, the for whole thirty thing. years, I am very consistent, and I'm saying something very simple. This conflict is not on the lack of a state of Palestinian. But the existence of a state, the Jewish state, every area that we evacuate, we receive terrible terror against that. It happened in South Lebanon, in Gaza, and also Judea and Samaria, which we did it. And therefore, I clarify that in other arrangement, any other arrangement, in the future, the state of Israel have to control on the entire area from the river to the uh, sea. The, oh, trigger. This is what happens when you have sovereignty. This truth I say to our American friends, and I also stopped the attempt to impose on us a reality that will jeopardize us. A prime minister in Israel has to be able to say no, even to the best of friends. To say no when you need to and to say yes when you can. And you're supposed to say yes to Biden. And what he said was not as long as I'm prime minister. And then <clears throat> you hear what he's talking about. And if you don't know and you're out there protesting and you're shutting down I-5, you're wasting your time. But more importantly, you're wasting my time.
And and it's this. The Israelis used to occupy Gaza. They don't anymore and haven't since 2005. Ever since they left Gaza with the promise that it would not be used as a terrorism base, guess what? Hamas took over, and they're using it. They were using it as a terrorism base and as a launching pad for rockets. So they lie, um, and, and 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 that the Americans, especially the Democrats, are will are unwilling to accept some some truisms about uh, Palestinian self-rule. They didn't elect Hamas. Hamas took over. Then they uh, elected to uh, endorse them. <clears throat> and then, like it or not, unless the Palestinians promise to give up a pledge that Israel shouldn't exist, they're not going to... I mean, it's unreasonable to expect them to live next to a country that is born with the first line of their constitution being death to the Jews. That's effectively what, what the White House is saying. But uh, it's an election year, and I mean, we're about to play politics with Israel uh, on that because because juniors at the UW can't look on a map and figure out how this works and that um, <clears throat> uh, if, if the West Bank becomes a country, if, if they go back to the 1967 borders, then Israel is eight miles wide at its narrowest point. So there's that, and, and and you have family, four generations of terrorists living right next door, and you're telling me that's a path to peace, and you're supposed to trust people that would behead babies that they promised this time not to behead as many as many babies or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, when we come back, uh, a 30-year flashback uh, about uh, the the future of American universities. Uh, the it was in the recipe 30 years ago, and we'll uh, we'll revisit that and the latest from the weather, power outages in uh, Stomach County and places north and stuff. Uh, AM 770 KTDH.